We're turning in our Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. We're taking a wee break from our studies in Genesis. And um, we're beginning our reading this morning in Exodus. And I have three short readings from God's Word this morning. One of them is actually on our screen already. Uh, Just three short verses. And um, then we'll think about these. We'll realise that this time of year uh, we speak about joy. We speak about uh, being with family and friends. We speak about all these things. And Christmas for many is a great time of year. But for others it can be a struggle. Uh, for, For others it can be a difficult time. And I want to minister to all hearts this morning. But especially to those who maybe this time of year, maybe it's been a difficult year that's passed. And this time of year maybe isn't so easy for you. Three short verses from God's Word. Exodus chapter 3 and the verse 14. First of all, here God is speaking to Moses. He's called him to go back to Egypt to set the Israelites free. And Moses has asked God, who will I say sent me when he goes? And this is the answer that the Lord gives to Moses. Verse 14. And we read there, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Turn with me please to Psalm 46 and the verse 10. This will be our text this morning. Psalm 46 please in the verse 10. Growing up and the first 10 years of my life, I was brought up in a wee church in East Belfast called Bethel Baptist Church. And this was the text that was on the wall in the church. It was this, it said, Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am and God. One final reading. Keep your finger in Psalm 46 there. Uh, but turn with me to Luke, please, in chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And the verse 13. Joshua's already read these verses to us today during his children's talk. Luke chapter 2. And verse 13. And this is when we read the angels appearing to the shepherds. And it says there, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 14 says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts today. So often this time of year it's described as a time for family and friends, for joy and festivities. Uh, But as I've said already, I know that this time of year can be a difficult time of year for some. 
a time when we think back to Christmases that have passed and this year maybe there's a seat empty at the table at Christmas. Maybe Christmas doesn't fill you with the joy that everyone else is talking about. Maybe it's a time that you struggle through. Maybe your life at the moment is in a mess. You're closer to tears than you are to joy. Uh, Things aren't going as they ought to, maybe at work, or maybe there's a family situation that's causing you trouble. A.W. Tozer opens up his book entitled God Tells the Man Who Cares with these words. The Bible was written in tears, and to tears it will yield its best treasures. The Bible was written in tears, and to tears it will yield its best treasures. It was Moses, a trembling man, that God spoke to on the mount. Daniel's long season of fasting and prayer brought Gabriel from heaven to tell him the secret of the centuries. When the beloved John wept much because no one could be found worthy to open the seven-sealed book in Revelation, one of the elders comforted him with the joyous news that the lion of the tribe of Judah had prevailed. The Bible was written in tears, and to tears it will yield its best treasures. These are all people that caught a glimpse of God at times that were difficult. I'll never forget uh, back in my days of teaching, my very first primary school class that I ever taught, there was a little boy one day when I was teaching and he fell fast asleep. And I'm not too sure if it was a reflection in my teaching. Maybe I wasn't teaching the Maz lesson very well. But he was in school, and the role had been called. And he had received his mark to say that he was present in my classroom. But he consciously, he was far, far away. He, He was dreaming of being anywhere, literally. Dreaming of being anywhere but school. And it's sad to say that in our Western society, I feel that the Church of Christ as a whole in these days has fallen asleep spiritually. We've allowed the things of the world, the worries of our lives, to turn our eyes away from truth and focusing on Christ. Many have lost sight of God, and many are no longer placing him on the throne of their hearts and their homes. And we try to deal with our problems, we try to deal with our worries by ourselves. And while we're present maybe on a Sunday morning, and just like the little boy that was in my class all those years ago, we've received our present, Mark. We're here today, but I wonder, are we far, far away? Maybe you carry burdens in today, and as you sit in the pew, they just consume your mind. And maybe you're not being still in God's presence and listening to what he has to say to you. The reality is that we don't need to look far to see that there's a deep spiritual problem across our churches today. The devil uses anything to wreak havoc. He'll use your worries. He'll use your concerns. He'll use your life situation to take you away, to drown out the Lord in your life, to to make all this noise that you won't be still and hear him. There's never been another time in history where the devil has had had it so easy to distract and keep Christians away from God. I heard a story recently of a man who lived out in the wilderness in Canada. He was a hunter, and one day when he was out hunting, he came across the tracks of a bear. 
And he decided to follow the tracks of this bear uh, to see if he could find it. And as the story goes on, he did find the bear. And while he was quietly watching the bear, it occurred to him that he only had one bullet left in his gun. So he knew it was time to leave. So quietly he turned and he slipped away. But it wasn't too long until he realised that the bear was now tracking him. I want you to know in this meeting this morning, as we thought of in recent weeks, as we've gone through Genesis, especially as we thought about the fall, that the devil, he's tracking each one of us. He's a destroyer. It's his aim to destroy all that's good and pleasing to God in your life, to distract you from God completely. And he wants to destroy your life and he wants to destroy the life of this church fellowship. We should be aware that we're being tracked and keep ourselves very close to God. And the devil trembles when we approach God. He's out to destroy and he's out to distract. You know, we live in a digital age where Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and all these things distract not just young Christians, uh, but Christians of all ages from the God of the Bible. And don't you think that I stand up here and say that I'm exempt from these things? I battle these things in my life too. There's more interest in these days in football and sport Uh, than sharing the love of Christ with others. Family life is busy. The children need picked up from here and there. uh, And we need to be everywhere. And we're we're trying to keep on top of the chores in the house. It's impossible. The to-do list seems unending. Life is filled with noise and motion. And by the time you hit the pillow each evening, you're drained, you're exhausted. Yet in all the busyness, in all the noise, in all the motion, maybe there's a still small voice that's crying out to you, a voice that's trying to speak to you. And it's the voice of God. And he asks you this morning to be still. Be still. To stop. Stop talking. To stop rushing around. To stop filling up your time. To take time aside from your busyness. To just stop and listen. Be still. And know that I am God. Maybe your life lacks peace this morning. You're troubled in your own soul. Listen to the angel song that we read, that Joshua read, that we have read together. Peace on earth. Christ is the one who came to give you that peace that passes all understanding. Will you listen to God's voice this morning in your turmoil, in your trouble? Will you be still and know that he is God? We see, let's ask the question. We need to ask two questions this morning. The first is this, why should we be still? When there's so much distracting us, when, there, when there's so much that causes us to cry and so much that causes us anxiety, how can we be still when all those thoughts trouble our minds? Well, let me say this. It's when we're still that we learn who God is. Didn't he say to Moses, I am that I am? It's when we're still we learn exactly who our God is. Be still and know that I am God. 
All of the facts that we know rest simply in the fact that God is our very existence, rests on the fact that God is our whole faith, as we've thought about in recent weeks, hinges on the first four words of Scripture, in the beginning, God. And when you're still, you'll discover that we have an unchanging God whose nature never changes. He is who he is, Jehovah, I am, Yahweh, he is God. And all of a sudden you realise that in faith as you depend on God as you're still in his presence you realize that you have the God who is Yahweh Jehovah you have Elohim the God who is the creator of this earth you have El Elyon who is the most high God that you have Adonai the one who is master you have El Shaddai the God almighty you have El Olam the everlasting God the God of eternity the God of this universe the God who is the ancient of days you'll discover that he's Jehovah Jarrah, the Lord my provider he's Shiloh, how important that is, he is the peacemaker he's Jehovah Rapha the Lord that heals, he is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, isn't there that lovely verse for those of us who are trusting in Christ, his banner over me is love, he's Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes you holy, he's the Lord of hosts the Lord of powers, he's the Prince of Peace, he's our rock and our refuge. He's our saviour. He is our closest friend. He is our comfort. He's a comfort to the brokenhearted. He has redeemed us. He's gracious. He's self-existent. All things are... He is in all things and through all things. He is sovereign of the universe. He is king. He says, I am who I am. And this great God, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you this Christmas no matter what you go through. No matter what you're worried about, no matter what you're concerned about, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the God who is with you today. He's more than all the words we could ever say to bring him praise. He's the King of Kings. He's forever. He's alive today. He's been before this universe ever began. He has no beginning. He he just is. He has no ending. In 10 trillion years, he will still be our unchanging God. In 50 years, all the rulers of this world will no longer be in their office. But my God will still be on his throne. In 120 years' time, this current generation and this planet will no longer be here but God will still be he is he says I am who I am and the most amazing thing is in everything that we're saying at the moment we're only scratching the surface he is all this and more what comes to your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us that's why we ought to be still that's why we need to be still the thought of God is undoubtedly the greatest thought that can occupy the human mind. And small thoughts of God destroy those who hold them. But put quite simply, in the history of of mankind, no man or woman has ever been greater than their concept of God. I believe we as the people of God in the 21st century have surrendered our lofty concept of God and substituted it with one that is so low that it's reflected at times in our very lifestyles. And our greatest pearl in the 21st century church consists in an acceptance of the world values. Blind leaders in churches across our world are leading blind souls to, lowly view, to low views of God. 
There's no longer a separation from the world promoted. They're accepting that Christians should not cut themselves off from the pleasures of the world, except, of course, from those that are degraded by respectable worldly society. Our standard is no longer aligned with God's standards. Anything goes. The noise of secular music, the shallow worship music filled with the repetition, the gossip, the acceptable sins of the world drown out the voice that is crying out to us today to say, be still. If you would only be still and know me, says the Lord. Have you forgotten what I've done for you? Have you even asked me to reveal myself to you? Do you get on your knees and ask me how I want my church to be run? How I want you to live your life? It's significant that in Psalm 46, the words be still occur. Where the, the words be still occur, it's filled with noise and commotion. The earth shakes, the waters roar, and they're troubled. The mountains threaten to tumble into the midst of the sea. The nations raise, rage, the kingdoms are, are moved, and the sound of war is heard throughout the land. Maybe for you that sounds a bit like your year 2023. Maybe that's what it's been like for you. Maybe this morning you're here and the storm is brewing in your life. Facing each day has become so difficult. Well, can I encourage you this morning? Listen to what the prophet Nahum says of God. In Nahum 1 verse 3, it says, The Lord has his way in the whirlwind. Is your life like a whirlwind? The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. How there's comfort when we're still. He knows what you're going through. He counts our tossings. Psalm 56 verse 8. He counts our tossings and numbers our tears in his bottle. How many tears have you cried this year, dear Christian? How broken hearted have you been, dear Christian? The Lord cares. The Lord's with you. And he knows every tear that has fallen. There's encouragement there. He knows everything about us. He knows all about us. And yet he saved us anyway. There's wonder. He can forget the sins that he's forgiven. Our sins have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Let's pause. I want to ask you a question, dear Christian, in the meeting today. It's an important question. When was the last time you were truly still? And listen for God's voice. I'm not talking about Sunday morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm not talking about Sunday mornings. I'm not even talking about the midweek. I'm not even talking about the prayer times before our services. When was the last time you completely shut out the world? You pleaded with God to reveal himself to you and you were still in his presence. When was the last time you spoke to God and God spoke to you through his word? When was the last time that you were simply in awe of the fact that the God of this universe communicates and has communicated personally to you through his word? It's a staggering thought, and yet a reality that God speaks to us when we are still. But of course, this morning, there's grace and mercy still found at Calvary. We're sinners to the core, and we battle with our sinful nature. And as God's people, I feel that in order to be still, we need to return to Calvary's hill again. 
We need to return to the foot of the cross and we need to look up. We, we need to see the blood flow. We need to hear the whip crack. We need to see the crown of thorns upon his head. We need to see the Savior hang there. Isn't that why he came? He was the one who came to die. And he hangs there dying for you and I. And he was made a curse for you. And that's why he came. And we see him there, the greatest sacrifice, so that we could have liberty and live in the light and and live life in all its abundance. And maybe if we caught that vision of the cross again, if we were still and just sought to go to that place of Calvary again in our mind's eye, and if we understood again what the Lord endured for us. Is that not why he calls us to remember him in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup? Our Saviour, the King of Kings, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Love so amazing, so divine. I'm sure you'll have heard this illustration before, but it helps me at times to understand the Saviour's love for me. Chuck Colson told the story of a group of American prisoners of war during the Second World War who were made to do hard labour in a prison camp. One evening, 20 prisoners were lined up by the guard and the shovels were counted. And the guard counted only 19 shovels and turned to the prisoners in rage, demanding to know which one didn't bring his shovel back. And no one responded. And the guard took out his gun and he said he would shoot five men if the guilty prisoner didn't step forward. After a moment of tense silence, a 19-year-old soldier stepped forward with his head bowed down. And the guard grabbed him and took him to the side and shot him in the head. And turned to warn the others that they better be more careful than this boy was. When he left, another guard counted the shovels again and discovered that all 20 shovels were there. The first guard had miscounted. And the young man had given his life for his friends. Can you imagine the emotions that must have filled their hearts as they knelt down over his body? In the five or ten seconds of silence, the boy had weighed his own future in the balance and he chose death so that others might live. And Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no man than this than one lay down his life for his friends. To love is to choose suffering for the sake of another. Maybe today, with all the noise that's been distracting you, why don't you simply take time this afternoon, take a time in the stillness and say, Lord, I'm sorry I've been drowning you out for a while. I've been letting exams, work, worries, you fill the gap. I've been letting all this noise, my cares, my worries, my music, social media, the busyness of life, I've been letting it all shut you out. I'm thinking of all that you've done for me. I'm ready to be still now. I want to know you. I need your help in my life. I long to know you. Reveal yourself to me again, please, Lord. You go home and separate yourself from the noise today. And say, come with an open Bible and let him reveal himself to you you see when you start when you start you'll, you'll be so drawn to him that you won't be able to get enough you'll pursue God and we need to pursue God we really need to seek his face why? it's only then that you'll know him more 
Because knowing Christ is a value that surpasses everything else, to not fully know Christ is an insult to his value and his worth. But when you go hard after Christ, even when life is tough, You'll know him and the reward is you'll know that peace that passes all understanding and you'll find your joy in him and his honour and in his glorification. That's where you'll find your joy. Why do we need to seek his face? Then you'll know him. Why do we need to seek his face? Because we are so imperfect. A failing student will pursue a special tutor. A a short-sighted person will will pursue an optician. People with strep throat will take antibiotics. Young apprentices will follow after a master in their work. We must go hard after Christ because he is perfect. And we are imperfect. We must go hard after Christ and seek his face because we need to know him more. Because we are so imperfect. Because he made us his own. He saved us from sin. Therefore we ought to pursue him. We've been bought with a great price. We've been saved from an eternity, a lost eternity. And surely we can do something for him. We've asked the question, why should we be still? Well, that's because, the reason is because then that's when we really get to know God in all his glory. But when we're still, the second question we should ask is what should our response then be to knowing God? How do we respond to this great knowledge? Well, I borrowed three points from Pastor John Piper to help us capture what our response should be to knowing God. How the Christian will naturally behave who's in pursuit of God. Number one, we will delight in his supremacy. We'll delight in his supremacy. When we truly meet God, we'll find ourselves in awe of him. I wonder when was the last time you found yourself in absolute awe of God, that you fell on your face. When we find God's people delighting in him in scripture, do you know where we find them? We find them on their faces in worship. Genesis 17 verse 3, Abram falls on his face in worship. Ezekiel 1 28, Ezekiel falls on his face in worship. Revelation 4, 9 to 10, a future day, the elders will fall down and worship when we truly delight in him when we're still and we get to know him when we truly delight we'll be found on our knees worshipping him not as a chore because we want to worship and adore him we must treasure his triumph we must adore his authority we must enjoy his exaltation we must rejoice in his renown we must glory in his glory before hands and feet engage our hearts must be ignited with passion and love for the supremacy of Christ he is above all things are you found delighting in God this morning be still and know that I am God what should our response be to knowing, to, to knowing God? We delight in his supremacy. But not only that, we'll declare it. We'll declare his supremacy. If we truly grasp how great God is, we won't be able to help ourselves but telling others of his great love in our lives. 
We should never lose that enthusiasm. We are told to declare him to the nations. And what a great time of year. You know, Christmas is a time when people are more open to talk about the gospel and to talk about Christ. But when you go out there, people are more likely to speak. Maybe they're more likely to come into the church for a carol service and things like that. It's a time of year that we can go out. And I'm so glad as a church fellowship that there's so many of you are willing when we're going around the doors to be out there around the doors of this community to make Christ known. The Lord has planted us in this community. There's people outside the door in this community today and they're on their way to a lost eternity. What are we going to do about it? If we're still and we know God, we'll realise that we've been saved from a lost eternity and there's people out there on their way to it. And we'll declare it. With good news to share that Christ came into this world we as the church of Christ, we need to declare and shout from the rooftops that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord and he still saves souls today. Isn't that why parents read the Bible to their children? To implant the word of God in their hearts. How important it is that the word of God is entering into the ears of those out in this community around us. You're lost in sin. And once we capture a glimpse of God, just a glimpse when we're still, We'll declare his supremacy to others. What should our response be to knowing God? We should delight in the supremacy of God. We delight in him. We'll declare him. But can I tell you something today? There's no point in declaring him. Unless, dear Christian, you're living it. We need to display in our lives. This is the supremacy of God. To lead people to God, we must be seeking to live Christ-like lives. We need to actually live it in all circumstances of our lives. And how when people looked at the disciples in the New Testament, they knew that they'd been with Jesus. I think that's a lovely phrase that we find in the New Testament. When people look at you, when you go to the workplace, young people, when you go to school, All of us here, wherever we are, when our neighbours speak to us, do they leave saying, they've been with Jesus. There's something different about them. Dear brothers and sisters, this is my prayer for Greens Baptist Church this morning. That when people in this area around us look at us, that they see the sovereign and supreme Christ, at whose name every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The people around us need to see us behaving the same as they, not behaving the same as them. They need to see a difference in us. And that also means in times of grief and sorrow that they see how we deal with it and how we're trusting Christ as Saviour. When we contemplate the thought of God, it should lead us to worship. Because he's wonderful. It should lead us to wonder. Because of who he is and what he's done for us. It should cause cause us to trust him. Because he is worthy of our full and undivided confidence. It should cause us to serve him. Because it's one of life's greatest privileges. To serve our God. It should cause us to imitate 
because it says his will that we should be more and more like him. It should cause us to fear, a godly fear and respect, as he is the one to whom we will give account. He is Yahweh. He says, I am that I am. I don't know what your life situation is today. Whether this Christmas time is difficult for you and there's family members missing this year who've gone to glory. Or maybe you're on the opposite side and you're just so busy running and running and running and you're not being still and life is just drowning out the Lord. Well, I pray that this morning will be a timely message for each of us. As I preach to my own soul today in the busyness, that each of us would be still and know that he is God. If your child was sleeping in my class, as I think of that wee boy from the start, I'm sure you would expect me to wake him up. You would want me to tell him to pay attention. And in the most humble way this morning, I say to you who are busy running about, waking up to who God is. Stop sleeping. Open your eyes, be still in his presence. If God is speaking to you today, don't go home and let the noise simply take over again. Spend time with God. Just pause today, please. And be still in his presence. He says to you, be still. And know that I am God. We're going to sing a hymn in response to this this morning. It says, be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide in every change. He faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways lead to a joyful end.